Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Uh, my name is Mozen. We are starting a new series today. One deal last week and told you to bring all your friends and enemies, which covers frenemies, then uh, relatives, in-laws, and outlaws, everyone. And this is the Ministry of Finance. The Ministry of Finance is our new series. You're going to be blessed. You're already blessed, but now that blessing is going to start getting activated. I guarantee you by the time we are done with these five sessions... You'll be in a much firmer place, financially speaking, in your heart and in your practices than you are now. I'm so excited about this. We last taught about finances last year when we did the Straightforward Financial Growth Series from July, August. It was actually around the same time. I think it was July, August. Yeah, We did July, August. And now, uh, one year later, we, we come with a shorter series just to affirm some of those things. Amen? Amen. How many of you know we have a loving father? The Bible says he gives us all things to enjoy. My conviction is that God, if he could pull out his hair, he would have pulled out all his hair by now because of our inability to receive all the good things he has for us. I believe that the crisis of heaven is the crisis of the church being unable to receive the goodness of God. That's why Jesus, the Bible says he marveled. He marveled twice. There's two places where they say the Lord marveled. One, he marveled at the unbelief of the disciples. And then he marveled at the faith of the centurion, of, a, of a, a person who was not in the covenant, a non-Israelite. Those are the only two places he marvels. God marvels at the faith of the non-believers and the unbelief of the believers. Think about that for a moment. It's like when we come to church, we start insulating ourselves against the goodness of God. We start coming up with these weird ideas that God is waiting for us to perform certain tasks to a certain degree in order to bless us, which the sinners don't have because for them, they know they are sinners. They know if they are going to get anything from God, it's going to be on God's own merit. And boy, do they get it. And we are here. Please, I want you to drop all that stuff and let's move into faith concerning finances. Next week, you'll be looking at a, a really, really important sermon about the fact that faithfulness with finances is the least application of faith. Where Jesus says, if you have not been interested with unrighteous mammon, like if you can't handle money, if you can't believe God for dimes, lots of money, how are you going to believe God for true riches? If you can't believe that God can take care of your rent, how can you believe there is heaven? Think about that for a minute. That, that's really inconsistent. How do you believe there is heaven if you can't believe that he can put food on your table? Like, there is no way I can be and think, 
God cannot supply my needs, but there is heaven. No. But that's next week. I'm preempting. Let me get back to this week's message. And this week's message is the gospel to the poor. The gospel to the poor. Mm. Mm -mm. You're too quiet, too early. Now, unfortunately for you, I already did one service. So I'm already warmed up. So you'd better warm up with me. This is my second service. So I'm already in flight mode spiritually. So please don't let me leave you behind. We're talking about the gospel to the poor. Gospel means almost too good to be true news. Like the kind of thing they tell you and you first slap the person telling you. Because in case they are lying, it's really bad. The definition of the word gospel is almost too good to be true news. I don't know what that is for you. I'm telling you there are different people in this room where if someone came and gave you certain information, maybe that thing you've been believing God for. For a person who has been believing God for a child and maybe they are in their eighth year of marriage and then the doctor says, no, you're three months. That's almost too good to be true news. They'll be like, are you sure? Mm, mm, mm. For a person who has been told you're stage four cancer, if you go in one of those days and the doctor says, we cannot find a trace of it. That's almost too good to be true news. You can say, you'll be like, are you sure? Like, don't give me false hope. Mm -hmm. <sighs> For a lady who has been faithful, and you've waited, and you've waited, and you've waited, and you've waited. And you're still 18 plus shipping and handling, but the shipping and handling is a bit on the heavier side. When a God-honoring, dark, and handsome man gets on one knee and says, will you marry me? That's almost too good to be true news. You're like, are you sure? Is, everyone, is anyone following is anyone following? Yeah. When you're poor, <laughs> when you don't have, when you can't pay your bills, when your car is going perpetually, when you have a water bill plus a disconnection order. When the kids are sent from school with a letter from the basa saying, return ye not until thou hast made good thine obligations towards the school. When you have a white fridge, do you know white fridge? Inside, inside. It's not colored with things. You open it like this, and it is as good as new inside. But it's not new. Uh, 
Uh, are you with me? Am I talking? Have we been through these things? <laughs> I've known poor <laughs> like I have. And I can tell you, I didn't like it. Uh, between poor and rich, I will take rich any day. Yeah, those who, those who are still not decided, it's okay for you. For me, I know what poor looks like. I didn't like it. I will take rich any day. When, when you are always short of resources to live life, just life. They're almost too good to be true news, surely must include something to do with money. I think. I think. I think that almost too good to be true news to a poor person must include a resource component. Because if I am not able to pay my rent and I'm out on the street and my kids have been sent back from school and the fridge is white and on the veranda, not longer in the house, uh, because of the eviction, and etc, etc, etc. And you come to me and you start telling me about the fact that there is a place called heaven. <laughs> and another one called hell. And that I need to start deciding where I'm going. At that time, that's the list of my concerns. I'm experiencing hell right here on earth. So trying to tell me about it in the future is not very relevant because it's here now. So if you're with me and you think that it is worth examining, come with me. Let's look at the thing of whether the gospel to the poor includes an issue to do with resources. I'm sure by the time we are done, we'll be in agreement. But this is the main thought I want us to examine. For God to bless the nations through the poor as promised, they must be lifted out of their poverty. If God is going to bless the nations through the poor as promised, because he has, you'll see the scriptures, I don't think he's going to do it while they are poor. They must be lifted out of their poverty. That's the main thought we are going to carry through this message. Deuteronomy 8.18 together. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. I didn't hear you read so we are going to repeat it since Joshua is uh, told that the word should be in his mouth together. And you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. I want us to go one step further in the examination of this truth about the idea that the gospel to the poor is true by starting to talk about God's relationship with people in re with finances in the picture. And so I went, I took it all the way back to when the Israelites are about to go into the promised land and Moses is reminding them of the things that they are going to experience and God's promises and God's commands and he's telling them you guys have been in the wilderness 40 days, 40 years. You've been eating the same meal every day, manna. 
you, you've, you've suffered. Now you are about to enter the land of promise, which he called the land which flows with milk and honey. Now, I don't know how you read that. No, I will not go there. I will not go there. I will not go there. But if the promise land is flowing with milk and honey, it means that uh, he sugared my tea. <laughs> Uh, 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 not go there. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who are lact lactose intolerant, intolerant, this is not a good thing. <laughs> Milk and honey. Anyway, yeah, some people are taking me so seriously they can't even like see when I'm trying to diffuse the tension in the room. So he's telling them, guys. You are about to enter a land where you're going to inherit houses you, you've never built. Think about that. Think about that. Like, think about that in reality. Some of you here have built houses. You know how hectic it is. Now imagine just getting it free. And you're about to take over vineyards you've never planted. If you live in Kampala, that picture doesn't make sense. It would be taking over businesses you never started. Like you're just going to walk in, they hand you land titles and memoranda and articles of association where you are now the majority shareholders. And he says, stuff is going to be so good to the degree that you have never experienced before. And he says, now you need to remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Amen. So God doesn't give you power to stay average. God doesn't even give you power to, to become poor. Now, there are some people, you're going to go online and read some commentaries from very serious biblical scholars who are going to tell you how poor is not so bad after all. But those people are from countries where they don't have this poverty. So please don't listen to them. Before you show me commentaries by scholars, those scholars come from countries where everything is there. So when we are talking poverty here, they don't know. So please bear with them and be gracious to them and move on. Go make the money. So God doesn't give you power to get average. God doesn't give you power to get poor. He gives you power to get wealth. Secondly, he doesn't give you wealth. Amen, Christians. I remember Mike Maddock back then saying, for those of you who are praying for money, you are accusing Bill Gates of being the greatest intercessor in the world. <laughs> Power to get wealth. It doesn't give you wealth. That's why all your diligent prayer has thus far yielded no dollars and no shillings either. Meanwhile, people who don't pray are making money. Why? Prayer is not in the success equation. Prayer is in the revelation equation. Success begins when you implement what God told you in prayer. So stop praying for money. Pray for relationship with the Father. Stop praying for money. Go start a business. 
or go get a job and when you get one, become the best employee ever. Be the person who shows up on time, lives last, lifts more weight than is assigned to them, and is indispensable to the business. That is how we do it. Mm. Amen. I don't know. People like all these promises, but when you tell them how to get them, they don't want. If I say you're going to be a billionaire, everyone will be like, amen. Then I say, now, show up on time. Do more than you're required. Quiet. I need to show you what is possible, but I also need to show you how to make it possible. So he gives you power to get wealth. He doesn't give you wealth. He gives you power. He gives you ability, ideas, opportunities, connections. And the purpose is that he may establish his covenant, he says, he, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now, this is a little bit deep on the theological front, so I'm desperate for you to get it now because later on it's going to become very clear. All right. So, are we agreed on the basics? God gives power to get wealth and he's giving it to these Israelites and he's telling them, guys, you're going to be so wealthy. Now, isn't it amazing that when God is talking about this wealth, he's not talking about spiritual wealth? I'm preaching better than you're listening. Don't shut me down. The wealth is real. It's not some idea wealth. This is real wealth. Power to get wealth. Real wealth. And then he gives the purpose. The purpose is that he may establish his covenant which is for to the fathers of Israel. This is not the one he swore to your fathers in your village. God probably never swore anything to them that is worth uh, clinging on to. That's why you came to Christ. And you are no longer under a curse, but you are under the blessing. Amen. So, so he says, there's, there's a covenant he swore to the fathers of Israel, which God is going to make a reality. And in order for him to do that, he gives them power to get wealth. Now, which covenant are we talking about? There's two ways to interpret the scripture. One would be the covenant which is swore to their fathers at Sinai, which is the old covenant through Moses. You remember that? The epitome of which is the Ten Commandments. You know that covenant? It has many thou shalt not. Now, the problem with interpreting this verse according to that covenant is that you actually do not need wealth to keep the Ten Commandments. In fact, a lot of wealth is probably going to compromise your capacity to keep the Ten Commandments. Huh? Are, are you with me? So it's not the Ten Commandments. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the covenant he swore to the fathers of Israel who are Abraham, Isaac, and 
Jacob. What, did, what is it that God told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? We see it here being told to Abraham together. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will cast him curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He says it there. In Genesis 12, he says this. In Genesis 22, he says this. In Genesis 26. In 22, he says the same exact words to Jacob. No, no, to Isaac. And in 26, he says the same exact words to Jacob. Are, are you following? He says, I'm going to bless you. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through you. I believe that that promise calls for wealth creation to be fulfilled. And I'm going to show you why and how. Are you still following? I have this sense that some of people, please don't give up yet. Stay with me. Stay on the car. It might be moving fast. We may be taking too many corners. We'll soon reach a, a nice road which is smooth like this. Right now we are still in the, in the rough and tumble. Like you have to engage your mind fully to stick with me. Because we are talking covenant, etc. And you're like, what is that? Now, to tell you that this is true, I'm going to show you proof in the natural. Proof in the natural. And then bring us back to the spiritual. Is that okay with everyone? Is that okay with everyone? Do you want, let, so let's look at some proof in the natural. This information is old. It's about a year old. But it is still good information. About a year ago, Mark Zuckerberg was, had about 71 billion. Now this is his money. This is not Facebook money. This is when you've paid everyone off and what is left over for you. Now, my challenge with using some of these figures is that they don't make sense to some of us. Because like 71 billion, it just sounds good on the tongue. But you have not actually stopped to, you have no reference point, frame of reference for 71 billion. Like in your mind, you don't have a picture of what 71 billion can do. Because if I told you, 40 million shillings. You have a reference. Yeah? That can be a, a plot of land. It can be a kuruga. It can be... Uh, what else? What else? Yeah? You can see some bags of cement. Yeah, you know, capital. When I say 40 million, you have a... You have a pic it creates a picture of sorts. Am I... Am I, am I? When I say 500 million... I've brought a little bit of difficulty, a million shillings, to some of you. Some of you, it's still okay. You, you are like, yeah, yeah. But for some now, the brain is starting to get some wrinkles. Now, when I say five billion, uh, short circuits start happening in, in the room. And that's about uh, uh, one and a half million dollars million dollars. A billion is a thousand million dollars. And I'm talking 71 billion dollars. 
So when I say 71 billion, there is a white page in the system. Like, <laughs> just you either see white or black, no colors. So I can understand you are not alone. But the guy had 71 billion a year ago. Sajib Brin and Larry Page, those guys who founded Google, 47.5 and 48.8 billion. Larry Ellison, Oracle, 58.5 billion. Michael Bloomberg, you know Bloomberg TV, 50 billion. Michael Dell, 23.9 billion. Artist Chelsea. What is the common trait between all of them? <laughs> yeah, billions. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the first one. <laughs> the common trait between all of those guys is that they are descendants of Abraham. They are Jews. They have Jewish descent. I'm just giving you a little bit of evidence in the natural. Now, if I go further, you will even be more shocked. Because I've only picked the people that are well known. But think about this. There are 15 million Jews in the world. That's about 0.2% of the world's population. In 2013, out of 1,426 billionaires, 165, 11.6% were Jews. When you are 0.2% of the population, and you show up with 11.6%, of the billionaires. Is there no one around? Yeah. Let me help you in case you're not processing quickly. If you were 11.6% of the population and you had 11.6% of the billionaires, that would be a normal curve, statistically speaking. Are you with me? So that would be confirming normal expectation that as the population, as your percentage of the population increases, also your percentage of the Jews, of the billionaire, billionaires increases. If you were 1% of the population and you had 11.6% of the billionaires, that would be 1 to 10. That would be 1 to 10. It means something is radically wrong with this picture. It means like you have 10 times the chance of being a billionaire if you came from this tribe than everyone else. Now when it is 0 0.2 percent, Now, that's completely out of work statistics. It doesn't work. The statistics is broken. Out of the 50 richest people in the world in 2013, 25% were Jews. Huh? When you are 0.2% of the population... <laughs> Can we continue? 
In 2017, out of 892 Nobel Prize winners, 201, 22.5%, were Jews. Compared to their population ratio, this would be 11,250%. That's why I'm telling you that statistics no longer is working. All this to confirm that God's promise to Abraham that I will bless you is true. It's true. Whether you believe the Bible or not, you cannot undo these statistics because this is a reality. If you realize that there are 200, uh, how many people are in parliament? Oh, my man. Okay. If you realize there are 300 parliamentarians and out of the 300, 100 of them come from the same village, there is a problem with that village. Do you get what I'm saying? It is worth going to that village to find out what food do they grow there. And the thing you find out here is that it's the promise to Abraham. It's the promise to Abraham. These guys, like whatever they touch, their stands to gold. For God to bless the nations through the poor as promised, they must be lifted out of their poverty. Are you now convinced about the children of Israel? Now, this is the point where you start celebrating. Galatians 3, 8 to 9, together. And the scripture first saying that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel. Preached the what? Preached to who? Beforehand, saying, open brackets, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith, anyone here of faith? Ahwa. The same way that Abraham is blessed. So Brother Mark, Sajabrin, Larry Ellison, and ETC, for them, they get it through the natural stream. Mose, Robinson, Kamara, Deno, Ari, and the rest, for us, we come through the faith stream, but the source is the same. The blessing we are tapping into is the same. Oh, I refuse unbelief in your mind. Don't even entertain it for a moment. If it works for the other guys in the natural, it should work for us by faith. Amen. That's what Paul is saying right here. God will just that, preach the gospel. The same thing he told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. He's now telling it to who? To you. To you. To you. Because your faith you are blessed with believing Abraham the same way Isaac was blessed with believing Abraham, the same way Jacob was blessed with believing Abraham, is the same way Mary Angela is blessed with believing Abraham by faith. By faith. That's why faith is important for you. Because for you, you are not going to drink it through the blood. No. Drink? No. You, no. Receive it through. For you, it's by faith. By faith. 
The gospel. What is the gospel? Almost too good to be true. And what is the gospel by definition here in Galatians 8? 3, 8. What's the gospel? It's there. Open brackets. In you all the nations shall be blessed. That is the Some of you are scratching your head inside. 3.16 Galatians. Now to Abraham and his seed where the promises made, he does not say and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to your seed who is Christ. In other words, everything that God was, every promise God was making to Abraham, he was making to Abraham and to Christ. Are you with me? Paul asserts that it's not only to Jacob and Isaac and that. It is to those who are in Christ, to your seed. And if you are Christ's, Galatians 3, 29, if you belong to Christ, <laughs> this one I have to sit down. Eh? Have you seen? About you people are not seeing the verse. What does it say? If you are Christ's, if you belong to Christ, you are what? And yes, according to the promise, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. That's why it gives you the power to get wealth. Why? It is nearly impossible to bless people when you're broke. Because when you're broke, the only person you're thinking about is you. When you have an eviction notice, the only person you're thinking about is you. When the children have been sent home, the only person you're thinking about is you. When you are in a dark house where power has been switched off and the water is not flowing, you have to go to the well. The only person you're thinking about is you. On your mind, there is nothing like, about what do my neighbors need? When you're hungry, you're not planning to buy food for anyone else. So you cannot be a blessing when you're in luck. You cannot be a blessing when you're in luck. You cannot be a blessing to others when you are in luck. You can, but you have to be really deliberate. It's those things of Jesus and Stephen. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. That's why he gives you the power to get wealth. That you may start thinking about others. Now, I have to rush you through some important information at this stage for us to be on the same page. And that important information is that the blessing is not money. The blessing is not money. The blessing is eternal life, according to Psalm 133b. The blessing is eternal life. The Bible declares that there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore. Are you with me? One, the blessing is eternal life. The blessing is not money, but the blessing creates money. 
What does Proverbs 10, 22 say? The blessing of the Lord does what? Makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. In other words, the blessing is not money. Otherwise, money won't make you rich. The blessing makes you rich. But the blessing is not money. The blessing is eternal life. There the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. Now, eternal life is not a long life seated on a cloud playing a harp. Eternal life is the knowledge of God. What does he say in John 17.3? He says that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He says that is eternal life. Eternal life is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Are you with me? That's why he says that God, the scripture for us saying that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. What does that mean? God would give the Gentiles a relationship with God through Jesus Christ by faith. He preached the good news, the gospel to Abraham saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. In you and your seed. And the seed is Christ. In other words, in Abraham and his seed who is Christ and us, if you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed, all the nations shall receive eternal life. And he says, because God is willing to fulfill that covenant of all the nations receiving eternal life, what does he do about it? He gives you the power to make wealth. The purpose of wealth is to introduce nations to Jesus. So if you care about lost people, you should care about your budget. You should care about your income streams. You should care about your investments. You should care about the customer care in your business. You should care about the marketing strategies of your enterprise. You should care about customer retention if you care about lost people. Because the purpose of wealth is to fulfill that covenant which is in you all the nations shall be blessed which is in you all the nations shall taste of life eternal. Amen. Are you with me? Are you with me people? I've overloaded it there. I can understand some of your brains are frying a little bit. That's okay. Don't mind. You just pour a soda in after here. Cool it down. Now, uh, my time is almost up, but I must take you to first principles on this subject matter to eliminate any doubt that might be left. So I'm going to take you back to Galatians 3.8. The gospel is in you all the nations shall be blessed. Now, all the other theological stones I've thrown at you, first put them in a bag. You'll go home and examine them after. But pull out this one because you're going to need it. What is the gospel? Mm. And in order for this blessing to be realized, people need to make money. Yeah? Uh, that, that's I need everyone on that page here, here, before I go forward. The gospel is in you, 
all the nations shall be blessed. And for that purpose, he gives you power to get wealth. Okay, if you get that phrase deep in your heart, the next part is going to be useful. If you don't, the next part is not going to be that useful. One more time, what is a gospel? And so he gives you the power. You have the definition nailed down, yeah? Can I move forward? I am going to show you two texts in the Gospels that are going to blow your mind. And for good reason. Look for Jesus' manifesto when he showed up in the village synagogue and he picked up the scroll and read from Isaiah. What does he say? Together. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Stop. What is the gospel? And so he Now, say it again and you're saying it to poor people. I want you to imagine you're saying what you're saying to people who are poor. Uh-huh, you come and tell poor people, you poor people, uh-huh, in you all the nations shall be blessed and so I give you the power to get wealth. Like a bus we are no stage Tearing a taxi board, gaga ali kagenda kupikinga. The gospel to the poor. Like find poor people and proclaim to them, you poor people, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. Do you think that's going to be accomplished while they are in, wallowing in their poverty? No. That's why he's saying, um, because I care about the nations, I'm going to give you the power. If you're poor, I'm going to give you the power to get wealth that the nations may be blessed. He says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Does he say to preach the gospel to the brokenhearted? Do brokenhearted people need power to get wealth? Maybe they do, but what is the thing they need? If you're broken-hearted, you don't want anyone showing you how to budget, or improve customer care, uh, saving and investment. No! What do you need? Healing! Banaibino, Luzungu, English, Tebirimuna, Gundi, Gundi, Indino, Erito Greek, Erito Hebrew. No! Uh-huh. Next is to proclaim liberty to the captives. What do captive people need? Freedom. If you go to Luzira, maximum prison, people who are in for life, and you start teaching them about budgeting and wealth creation, income streams, aren't you does it, you look like you're out of your mind, right? What is their primary need? Freedom from captivity. So the primary need of a captive person is liberty, freedom. The 
primary need of a broken-hearted person is healing. Recovery of sight to the blind. What do the blind need? And those who are oppressed liberty. Each thing there is the opposite of the other. Oppressed liberty. Are you with me? Blind sight. Captives liberty, freedom. Broken hearted healing. Poor gospel. Does the gospel have something to do with, with resources and wealth creation? Absolutely. Because otherwise, how on earth do you start telling poor people things that have nothing to do with the elimination of poverty when the blind issue, you're dealing with elimination of blindness. Uh, captive, elimination of captivity. Brokenheartedness, elimination of brokenheartedness. How is it that when it comes to the poor, you're not addressing the poverty? If sight addresses blindness, freedom addresses captivity, healing addresses brokenheartedness, then the gospel addresses poverty. There is no way it can be a gospel if it does not address poverty. Call it anything else but not gospel. In the mouth of two witnesses, matter is established. John is in prison, sends a message to Jesus Are you the one or should I wait for another? Jesus, John's disciples come to Jesus. Jesus tells them, sit down. And he first performs a few miracles. And he gives them this message to take back to John. Together. Jesus answered and said to them, together, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. One, the blind do what? What is the relationship between blindness and sight? They are polar opposites. Polar. Meaning one is on one pole, the other is on the exact opposite pole. There is absolutely zero relationship between blindness and sight. Apart from the fact that they are polar opposites, like black and white, light and darkness. Or wisdom and stupidity, you know, like. The blind, the lame, Lepers, deaf, dead, poor, you need to go home because I'm done. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich.
the gospel has everything to do with poverty elimination and wealth creation. It is no gospel at all if it doesn't address economic issues. Because anyway, think about it. What is the number one cause of injustice in this world? Economics. Why is there endless war in Congo? Minerals. What is the number one cause of keep people killing other people? It's resources. It's a resource issue. That's why God who loves us and is a just God knows that if we don't address the resource issue, we can sing until the cows come home. But it is not gospel at all. Amen. The poor have the gospel. Preach to them because Jesus is telling poor people, in case you think you are one of them, I am going to turn this thing around. And those who thought you have nothing to contribute will soon be shocked because through you, all the nations shall be blessed. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.